you take hold of a Bible and turn to John chapter 2. It's a brief word this morning, meditation really. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And that's on page 1064, if you have uh, a red church Bible, 1064. We'll find you in John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This The first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is God's word. Can I draw your attention to verse 3? When the wine was gone. That's the problem with life, isn't it? I mean, there are so many uh, ways that we experience joy and pleasure in this world, Uh, all of them gifts from a good God who created them that we would enjoy them with thanksgiving. And wedding days so often kind of bundle up all those joys into one day. And, And yet the challenge with all earthly joys is that they're often temporary. They're short lived. They're fleeting. When the wine was gone. Wedding celebrations could last up to a week in those days. And it was the responsibility of the bridegroom to ensure that there was enough provisions for all the wedding guests. And here is a moment of great social embarrassment. The wine had run out. But thankfully, this was a wedding that had very wisely invited Jesus to the celebration. Now, in a very quiet way, Jesus revealed his glory in the first of seven signs that we see through the book of John. And they're called signs because there's something bigger than a, a wow moment. They point us to the, to the incredible identity of Jesus. So let's just think about this sign of turning water into wine. What does it reveal to us about Jesus? Three things briefly this morning. His glory is revealed as creator. He turned water 
into wine instantaneously. I mean, give farmers the right soil and the right sort of grapes. You can do this water into wine thing. But he did it instantaneously. John had already explained to us who Jesus is in the beginning of his gospel. Here is the word in human flesh. He said this, who was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And so John has explained it in his prologue. And now he shows us that this is the creator who made everything out of nothing. He can turn water instantaneously into the best vintage sort of wine. And the extravagance of this creation points us to the generous extravagance of our God. Jesus turned around 600 liters of water into 600 liters of wine. The best sort of wine. Jesus is the creator God. Come in human flesh. He is the creator who sustains all of his creation and he walks amongst his creation and blesses it with his presence. I, I love the fact that we don't even know who this couple were. We don't know their names. They're this anonymous couple and yet the creator was pleased to, to come and, and bless this wedding with his presence. And uh, here, here is the one who created male and female and he turns up to celebrate their marriage. You celebrate this common grace of love and ensure that everyone gets to celebrate. I mean, Jesus turns up to the party with 800 bottles of wine. This is no stingy God. This is a generous God. This is a bountiful God. This is a God who delights in joy, love, and celebration. That's what this sign points us to. His glory as creator. But also reminds us his glory as redeemer. God first revealed himself as a redeemer uh, in the, the time when Israel were slaves in Egypt. And uh, we call them plagues, but the biblical text calls them signs and wonders. And the first sign that God performed through Moses which would eventually lead them to being freed out of slavery, out of Egypt, was to turn the water of the Nile into red blood. It was a judgment of God, a curse upon Pharaoh who refused to let his people go. But here's a similar event, but it's quite different, isn't it? This is not a curse. As he turns water into wine, it is an utter blessing. And it points to the bigger act of redemption that Jesus had come to bring about. We don't know if Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the, in charge of the catering in some way, but she seemed to know about the social embarrassment before the rest of the guests. And so she pulls Jesus in. And uh, it's almost in verse 4 as if Jesus corrects her, Dear woman, why do you involve me? And then this amazing phrase, My time has not yet come. All the way to the Gospel of John, this, this time, this hour, that Jesus refers to is the hour of his death upon a cross. This is the, the time when Jesus says he will be glorified as he'll be lifted up. That all who would look to him in faith will receive eternal life and have their sins forgiven because he is the redeeming sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. 
And the echoes of the Exodus run right through the Gospel of John. He is the um, Passover lamb whose blood, when applied over a life, will cover over their sins so God's wrath will pass over and they will be unharmed, they will be saved. He is the, he's the bread from heaven that gives life for, to a sin-cursed world. He is the one who supplies the streams of living water that will satisfy the thirst of all who come to him, Jesus says. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament mosaic covenant. I mean, he points to the six stone jars, which were water jars, there for purification. That is to say that day by day, the people of the house would have to wash their hands to make themselves ceremonially clean. And so constantly they were being reminded they had to wash their hands, that they were defiled because of their sin. But Jesus transforms the water from those stone jars into wine. This new covenant that he was purchasing with his own blood was so superior to the old covenant. The old covenant required the constant washing and ritual, the constant sacrifices. But the new covenant would be a once-for-all sacrifice of his death upon the cross, would utterly pay for all the sins. He would save to the uttermost, as it says in the book of Hebrews, all who would come to him. He would fully purify, fully cleanse all those who trust him. Jesus is the redeeming God who's come to rescue a people for his own glory. What an amazing sign this is. This is our God who comes. The creator come in human flesh. The creator who comes to be our redeemer. And lastly, his glory is revealed here as the bridegroom of the heavenly banquet. This account starts by um, pointing out that it was the third day. And as you read through the Bible, lots of really amazing things happen on the third day. Uh, On the third day, Abraham was about to offer Isaac when God provided a lamb. On the third day, Hosea talks of a day of restoring and living in God's presence. And of course, on the third day, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The third day is the day of restoration. It is the day of resurrection. And the day that points forward to the resurrection of the living and the dead, of the everlasting messianic kingdom, which is described in Isaiah as, as, a, as a great banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, a day when death itself will die, it says in Isaiah. And this miraculous, abundant creation of wine points us forward to the future coming kingdom that Christ will return and bring about. Have you considered this Jesus that you're trusting? How awesome he is. This is the creator God come in human flesh. This is the God who came and offered himself in sacrifice to redeem us. This is the God who has ensured that as we trust him, we will participate beyond this life into the life to come, an everlasting banquet. Uh, the, The bridegroom of the wedding that Jesus went to failed. They ran out. But the bridegroom, of the eternal kingdom is able to provide all. I'm sure there was some wine left over at the end of this wedding. Full provision. 
My Christian friends, I wonder whether this has been a painful Christmas for you as you've remembered loved ones that no longer are with you. I want to remind you about the nature of this salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. The master of the banquet called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the best wine first and the cheaper wine uh, at the end when the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And maybe as you grieve at the end of this year, I just want to remind you this from God's word that the best is yet to come. Perhaps you've reached a stage in life where uh, many of the dreams and hopes that you have had have appeared to come to nothing. Well, listen to this. The best is yet to come for those who are in Christ. Or maybe through illness, maybe through old age or sadness, you simply are unable to enjoy life as you once did. Well, listen to this. The best is yet to come. This is the salvation that we have in Christ. He saves the best to last. There are many blessings to enjoy of the gospel in this life, but I would have to say it's probably 5% of the, of the reality of what is to come. He saves the best to last. So how should we respond to this glorious God? Well, verse 11 tells us, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the one that we have trusted. And how should we respond? Keep trusting him. Put your faith in Jesus and keep your faith there. Keep trusting this Jesus. He is this awesome. He has done it all. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're with the one who can turn water into wine, it's not going to be a dull life, is it? No. And what should we do practically for this year ahead in 2014? Well, I think we should do whatever, uh, we should do what uh, Mary advises the servants in verse 5. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Do you think it must have seemed a bit crazy to them to take those water jars and go up and fill them with water? Do you not think that would have seemed a bit crazy? Then Jesus said, well, take what you've, Take, the, take, take those, those water jars, take some water, and, and serve it to the, to the master of the feast. Do you not think that seemed a bit daft to do that? And yet, as they followed in obedience, this was the very occasion that revealed the glory of Jesus to others. Do you know what? As we do whatever he asks of us, maybe our lives too can be the occasion that reveals the glory of of Jesus to others in 2014. Should we pray?